we decided to move into John Lewis in the second week of December. Spare of the moment, we said afterwards, but I had been thinking about it for months. We were sitting in the collections department, a little bit like our boss, but with manners and proper upholstery. <laughs> Someone was thanking a member of staff for all the trouble they'd gone to, rather than all the trouble they'd caused. Roy just looked at me, and I knew. It's very busy in John Lewis in December, and they take on a lot of tents. I know that, because I worked there one Christmas, in bed linens. Oh, the best job of my life. There's nothing I don't know about top values and interior baffles. One whiff of a feather pillow, and I'm back there. Roy and I met in John Lewis. He did deliveries. He delivered me from loneliness, I like to say. And he rolls his eyes. <coughs> At first, we packed a big suitcase, and then Roy said, Why? They've got everything we need. Even a food hall. And we laughed and laughed. It was a Saturday evening when we made the big move. We wandered about the store looking for the best place to hide until the shop shut. It was so busy. Well, people seemed to burst in through the doors, their faces creased and angry, their fists clenched. Then one spray later, smothered in Dior or Chanel, bathed in warmth and riding on a smooth escalator, their faces relaxed. Even the men didn't seem to mind smelling like samsara. I knew we'd made the right decision. But still, I was nervous. But, well, what about the security cameras? I whispered to Roy. He shook his head. Oh, trust me. They're all on the outside, he said, and tapped his nose. He was right. Ah, oh, there used to be more in the old days. Roy said, but not anymore. See, everyone thinks they have these motion-sensitive cameras like in Ocean's Eleven, but they don't. Once it closed and all the exits had been checked, there were the guards on the patrol uh, shop, there were no guards on the patrol shop floor. We hid in the stairwell in a little recess that Roy knew about. He said some of the youngsters would go there for a snog in their breaks. Roy used to take one of my sandwiches in there. Said he needed privacy for one of my cheese and pickle granary baps. <laughs> I could hear the sound of footsteps fading on the stone stairs. The muffled voices laughing and saying goodbye. And finally the silence. Except for my heart, which was going like the clappers. Roy had his delivery man outfit on as a sort of disguise. Although, well, he doesn't do that anymore. In fact, he doesn't have a job at all. Now, which is the reason for the move. It isn't nice to see your stuff on your front lawn. Especially when you've spent all weekend mowing it. <laughs> but what really upset me was seeing how shabby it all looked in the daylight. Like a yard sale for the brownies. Nothing looks shabby in John Lewis. <laughs> The first couple of nights were the worst. Well, I found it hard to sleep. I'd forgotten about the cleaners. Well, we had to hide until they finished their hoovering. Oh, it tied me up in knots, that waiting. Roy was so calm. Oh, they won't hear us. 
Industrial hoovers are noisy. As long as we stay in the shadows, we'll be all right. And he squeezed my hand. He's been like that since they put him on Prozac. (laughs) (laughs) It's marvellous. Like having your own personal rose garden that your head is always stuck in. (laughs) Well, I'm tempted to get some of it myself. But Roy says one of us has to have some perspective. After they left, we spent two hours in the ladies' changing rooms until I felt my nerves calm down. Oh, we had such a hoot. Don't you should have seen some of the things I tried on. And Roy did too. Oh, he's got a good pair of pins on him, has Roy. (laughs) We soon began to forget we'd lived anywhere else. We dined on delicious salads and cakes, or things I'd never dream of buying. Well, always past a sell-by date, of course. Oh, they'll give this lot to the Sally Army for the homeless anyway, Roy said. We're just cutting out the middleman. We were careful with our crumbs, just like it was our own home. We got up early, straightened our beds, and I was very careful to pack but to put back the evening dress I'd worn the night before. <laughs> I even got a little cleaning job to keep my eye on things. Oh, it was all just perfect. The Christmas lights, the big tree on the ground floor all covered in gifts, and a smaller one in the children's department hung with little trains. Roy sighed when he saw it. We had to put his hornbys on eBay. It nearly broke his heart. And then I found the slippers. There were two pairs, his and hers, blue and pink brine nylon from the comfy wear collection in nightwear. They'd been worn. They were tucked under the frill of a display armchair on the upholstery floor. They weren't mine, and they weren't Roy's. I stared at those slippers for a long time. That night, when Roy and I curled up on a swinging chair with our torch, I shared my suspicions. Someone else had entered our refuge. I blamed myself. We'd ignored it, upholstery and carpets. The, the heart of a well-kept home, my mother would always say. And now we are paying the price. Roy wasn't convinced, but he doesn't argue much these days. At 11pm, wearing our black daymart all in once, and our faces dabbed with a bit of cherry blossom, we crept up to the top floor. Roy looked like one of those girls on the Clinique counter with his tan shoe-polished cheeks and his black eyebrows. We crept up the back stairs and I listened outside the door. I can hear them moving around, I said, peering in through the glass. Maybe it's mice. With torches, I scoffed. There is definitely someone in there, Roy. I could hear the disappointment in my voice. I looked into his face and saw my own emotions reflected there. I thought he might cry, because I know I wanted to. And then that feeling was overtaken by another. It surprised me, really, because I'm usually so placid. 
so accommodating. We're like one of those trees you see gripping onto the edge of a cliff in a high wind. Indomitable. Indomitable. That's what all the neighbours said when they saw my sofa loaded into the back of the DFS van and not a tear on my face. It was seeing that little tremble in Roy's chin did something to me. I clenched my fists and I burst through the door shouting, What's going on? In my best security guard voice. Their flashlights went crazy like two wild eyes rolling around in an upholstery department shaped head before the floor was plunged into darkness. Roy thrust the mag light into my hand and I scanned it around the ghostly rolls of fabric and swathes of curtain before bringing it back to the floor where it stopped. I heard a grunt surprisingly close to me and then a whispered voice saying, Push, George. Four fingers poked out from behind a fixture, a cluster of rings on a wrinkled hand like a dried up starfish. Out! I said. She was short, hurt, wearing a fleece and sensible shoes, and huffing with indignation. George, her husband, was tall, stooped, about seventy, I'd say, with tape on the side of his glasses, those awful slacks that old men wear, and shoes like a pair of battered tugs. Well, you're not security, she said, and then burst into tears. Well, you're not mice, Roy said, and he was right, as usual. (laughs) Well, I felt bad making her cry, so I let George lead her to some nicely buttoned armchairs. I set the mag light on its end and waited for her to calm down. She wiped her eyes and blew her nose loudly. (coughs) So... What are you doing here? I said, still using my security voice, even though I was no one important anymore. Well, we've been here since December 15th. It was that advert, George added, patting her shoulder. You see, we were relying on Doreen's pension for our home by the sea, but she hardly got a thing. It was crunched, Doreen said. All those years in a job I hated. And then, well, that advert came on with its lovely house and and sweet little boy. I said to George, you know, I think that John Lewis would understand. Well, if we could just write to him. (laughs) Who? I said. Well, Mr Lewis, George explained patiently, casting his hand around the dimly lit space. But there isn't one... I said, it's just a name. What will they call Peter Jones in Sloan Square? Well, Jones, Lewis, what does it matter? Doreen said the recipe. Well, it's a man with money and we've got none and we want to do Christmas like on the TV. I've earned it. She began to snuffle again. Well, you weren't careful enough. I spotted the slippers. You were lucky it wasn't someone else. Well, we keep ours high up. Top of the fixtures is good. Or tucked inside a suitcase or a hold all. Well, as long as you remember the combination lock, it's a perfect hiding place. Doreen looked sideways at me. What? You too? Since December 12th. <laughs> well, then we all laughed with relief, I think. Our daughter is in Australia with our grandson. 
We were supposed to follow them, but we couldn't afford it. Couldn't bear the house without them, George sighed. Well, Roy and me lost our house. Doreen gasped. Oh, you poor dears. Roy looked at his his watch. It's Christmas, he said. I felt sad for a moment. Well, no Christmas presents this year, Roy. No tree of our own, I said. No house to put it in, he answered. No family, Doreen sobbed. We were all silent for a moment. Well, why don't you come down to us, I said suddenly. (laughs) Doreen stopped dabbing her eyes. Well, garden furniture. We've got a table that seats six and we're not far from the food hall. Oh, oh, we couldn't eat the food, Doreen said appalled. Well, that would be stealing. Well, you could stuff some money by the till. Someone will think it got caught. Oh, what a good idea, Doreen said. And as she stood up, I noticed the tag still hanging from her Gloria Vanderbilt jeans. <laughs> oh, we could go to Carvella and, and pick out some party shoes. <laughs> Her eyes were all aglow. And there's a gold lame dress I've been longing to try on. I gave her a look and she blushed. Well, I, I'll wear a little top of me own underneath uh, and we can put them back in the morning. I turned to Roy. His eyes had a glazed look in them and he was grinning like a pumpkin. And I knew exactly what he was going to say. I'll go get that tree. (laughs) We had the rat pack singing carols in the background, and Roy and George rigged up some torches to give us the feel of candles, but we didn't want to set off a smoke alarm. (laughs) Dorian and I got Pictionary from the games department. The display box had already been damaged in the Christmas scuffle. You'd never guess, looking at George, what a laugh he is. I nearly choked on my oak smoked ham. (laughs) When old blue eyes crooned, Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Roy put his hand out, and I got up. I rested my head on his chest, and tried not to think of the white chiffon catching on the unvarnished garden trellis. (laughs) We moved slowly around the barbecues and the garden chairs, feeling warm and safe and happy. As the song came to an end, George stood up at the table. Here's to John Lewis, he said, raising his glass of Harvest Bristol cream. Never knowingly undersold. (laughs) Never knowingly undersold, we all chanted, and then burst out laughing. (laughs) 